Hello and good afternoon. I'm your host today, Avner Belsky. Today, I have a very special guest with me. Please welcome Mr. Brian Flynn, who's a wide receivers coach for Princeton University's football team. Thank you so much, Mr. Flynn, for joining me on my podcast today. So let's begin. The first question is, can you tell my listeners and I a little bit about yourself and your background when it comes to football? Sure, Avner. Glad to be here, man. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, I'm from Ohio originally. Uh, I played college football at Mount Union College, which is a Division three school. Uh, we won a national championship there my freshman and senior years, uh, which was a great experience. Played with some really good players and a lot of guys who ended up being coaches. Uh, a bunch of them, a bunch of my former teammates or guys that I coached, I uh, had a chance to watch yesterday, which was a lot of fun. Uh, watch on TV, not in person. But so I was there for four years as a player. Uh, when I was done, I worked for an insurance company for about eight months and decided this wasn't for me. Uh, so I quit my insurance company job, uh, went back into coaching at my alma mater at Mount Union, was there for two years, uh, went to Drake University for a spring ball as a wide receiver coach. Then I went to Villanova as a GA for one year. Uh, our tailback, I got my name of Brian Westbrook, played for the Eagles for 10 years. Uh, I ended up being the Walter Payton Award winner, which is like the Heisman Trophy at the FCS level or the 1AA level. Uh, then from Villanova, I went to the University of Maryland for a year as a graduate assistant. Uh, we won the ACC that year, went to the Orange Bowl, which was an uh, unbelievable experience. Then after my year at Maryland, I went to East Illinois uh, for three years as the receivers coach. Uh, my first year there, uh, our quarterback was Tony Romo, uh, who won the Walter Payton Award uh, that year in 2002, uh, and we made the playoffs that year. And then after three years at East Illinois, I went to Villanova as the receivers coach, and I was there for 14 years uh, and had a great, you know, great run there. We won the national championship in 2009. Uh, we probably made the playoffs five or six different times. Um, and then in February of 2019, I went to Princeton, uh, took the receiver coach job there, and then this would have been my second season at Princeton, but we're not playing in the fall. So right now our students are all home and doing virtual learning uh, like my kids are doing. Um, and hopefully you know, the chance we might play in the spring, uh, there's a chance we may not play again until fall 2021. So I went to a lot of different places early on. Again, I graduated, I had a business degree, thought I was going to work in the business world, wear a shirt and tie, uh, did that and hated it and said, you know, I really want to get back into football. And, uh, you know, if you're going to do that, you have to do it, you know, doing it when you're young is the most ideal thing because you can make no money for a couple of years and move around. And I moved around a bunch. And then really, I haven't moved in the past 15 years. Princeton is actually closer to my house than Villanova was. So nobody had to switch schools and we didn't have to move any of that good stuff. So uh, but it's been great, man. It's been a great experience. Been around a lot of great players and, and great coaches and had a lot of fun. That's awesome. It seems like you've had a. Uh... A very successful and um, awesome football career. Yeah, it's been, you know, I've been around. It's funny because as a player, uh, I was around a lot of great players. Our, my quarterback, uh, when I was a player who was actually a year younger than me, uh, was a Division three National Player of the Year two or three times, uh, you know, threw 150-some touchdowns in his career. And so, you know, I, I was just surrounded by a bunch of great players. And really, it's been that same way as a coach. You know, I've worked for uh, a bunch of head coaches and with a bunch of players that were really, really good. And the, kind of the years that, you know, you have a good team, it's that 
not so much what the coach is doing, it's what the players are doing. So I've been lucky. You know, there's really they're, they're almost, all of them been winning programs. They've all been really good head coaches to work for. I, the guy I played for, a guy by the name of Larry Harris at Mount Union, is the winningest coach in college football history. Uh, he's got a, you know, he's won 12 Division three national championships. He retired a few years ago. And there's a bunch of guys that played for Coach Harris like I did. Again, one's the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma, Alex Grinch, uh, head coach at Iowa State, Matt Campbell, head coach in Toledo, Jason Campbell. Uh, Mike Yersich, uh, who's the offense coordinator at Texas, was a quarterback at Mount Union for two years and then transferred to Cal Pian, was a starter. So uh, we, we've, I've just been around a bunch of great guys. And a lot of that is good fortune. You know, I think I picked a good school. Uh, Mount Union is not the biggest school. You know, Division Three is the smallest level of college football. But it was the best fit for me, the best experience for me. And it really kind of, again, with what I've chosen to do, chosen to do for a living, uh, it, it couldn't have been a better result. That's great. That's really great. How was uh, your Orange Bowl experience? That must have been just like, oh, that must have just been overwhelming with like happy emotions and just been so like psyched up. I tell you what's funny, you know, I was I was a graduate assistant on offense. So those guys do all the dirty work. You know what I mean? Like you break down all the film. You're not really coaching. You run the scout team. Uh, but it, you know what is a great experience for me because it was Coach Ralph Friesen's first year. And it, it was, you know, some of those players on that scout defense and some of those players on the offensive line that I helped out with, like I'm still in touch with. And I was so – the thing that sticks with me about that season is those guys, they were five and six two years in a row before Coach Friedgen got there. And they would do anything to get to a bowl game. Like that was their goal. And we got to win that sixth game. And they were just hardworking. And all of a sudden we started the season six and oh. We were bowl eligible. The next thing you know, we were nine and oh. You know, we lost to Florida State, but we ended up winning the ACC. Um, you know, it, it's it, it was just that what that taught me more than anything else was just how important it is, you know, to, to have buy-in from your players. You know, that you could be you could have the best schemes in the world, and you could have all these great coaching ideas, and we're gonna run, we're gonna do this, and we're gonna do that. But you're really your program is your players. It's true. You know, and, Coach, and Coach Freak just stepped in. They were just such. I mean, they they. Whatever they, whatever Coach Friesen wanted them to do, they did, and that's really what I think we ended up winning 10, 11 games. Whatever we won, um, it, it was a lot of fun. And, and again, to this day, like, well, the, you know, it's funny. I was running the scout team defense, and we had a freshman under named Dominique Foxworth, uh, who you can see like on ESPN now, just crushing it every day on all those talk shows. And Dom was at first going to redshirt, so he was like my scout team corner. Doing a, you know, which is a really tough job, which is essentially running the other team's defense every week. But he was so good at it. He could have complete a pass. You know, we'd blitz him, he'd sack the quarterback. He'd have like an interception every day that he got promoted like week six or seven from the scout team to being a starter uh, and ended up, you know, being a four-year starter in Maryland and played in the league forever how long. And now is the, you know, big-time ESPN guy. But like it was just that team had a bunch of guys that, you know, it wasn't – they didn't – oh, man, this is going to be hard. They were like, we know it's going to be hard. We're going to go ahead and do it because we really want to win. Like, they were dying to win. You know, they had never played in the bowl game, and it was it was a great experience. And, again, some of those assistants, you know, James Franklin, who's the head coach at Penn State now, uh, was the wide receivers coach at Maryland when I was a GA there. He was he was great to me and continues to treat me very well and be very helpful. Uh, Mike Loxley, the head coach at Maryland now, was the running backs coach, was a huge influence on, on me. So it was it was a lot of hard work. Um, 
but you know any job is yeah and but it was it was a, a memorable experience i mean we still when i see those guys you know wherever i see them i'm not going out much nowadays but you know we, we always we still tell those stories from what is now almost 20 years ago that's awesome that really is um so the next question is so what are your biggest responsibilities for the team you know what what i do for us now kind of what i've done you know the past two or three jobs you know the the, the number one thing we do is assistant coaches or position coaches is obviously we're in charge of our group you know so we're in charge of how they're doing academically how they're doing at practice who goes in where you know if there's an issue we're in charge of helping them take care of it teach them the offense you know, every kind of it's an all-encompassing deal um the other end of it is you know recruiting and you know at Princeton it's a little bit different than anywhere else I've ever been because it's national recruiting you know the, your grades have to be a little bit better here than most places you know it's an Ivy League school uh so I recruit the state of Pennsylvania a good chunk of the Midwest um and really those two things right now you know coaching our players and teaching them and recruiting are all virtual for us yeah you know so everything 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 right now is on zoom so like I have a zoom meeting with my players tomorrow uh to install part of the offense you know we zoom with recruits and their families uh you know we, we can't do in-person tours right now it's not when you are recruiting is not allowed anybody in person so we're doing all that you know by zoom or by powerpoint or whatever technology we can come up with so you know really your job is to is to be you know in charge of your group of your players and kind of every aspect that they have you know whether it's academic whether it's social their mental and physical health you know how they're developing as a player and then also to help bring new players in yeah you know, and, and again continue to, to you know build off the success that we had long before i got here yeah um so you uh mentioned um zoom meetings and stuff what how do you know if a player's like top notch during the in light of the COVID-19 pandemic, because you can't physically see them playing, you 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 can only see them over Zoom. So how do you like um, determine whether they're, I guess, college football ready? Yeah, it's tough. You know, I think a lot of the recruiting end of it, uh, you know, we that we used to rely on, we can't. So, you know, uh, summer camps were a big end of it, right? Guys would come to camp in June and July, you know, they would they would run through drills and we'd evaluate them. We'd say, hey, we like them. We want to offer them a spot or, hey, you know, not yet. You know, that's all been eliminated. Um, so really how it's done now is everybody's film is online one way or the other. You know, there's a software called Huddle, uh, which almost every high school team has. And they that's what that they break their film down. They make kind of individual films of individual players uh, and they send that out and we watch it and evaluate it. But it's been a lot more of us watching their game film which before was, you know, I would probably say half or maybe two thirds of the process. Uh, but it's you're right. Like the, the pandemic has really eliminated in-person evaluations, uh, which, you know, the great example of that would be like uh, if, you know, the NFL combine, you know, was eliminated, you know, for, for the college draft. Yeah, that would or be on, tough. Or if on, camp, on campus workouts were eliminated, you know, for the college draft. So. We're doing almost everything off the film. There are a couple guys, a couple guys who came to camp when they were younger as sophomores or freshmen that we got kind of a, you know, an early eval on. But even then, guys develop so much from year to year in high school that, you know, it's 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 not a great, great indicator. Uh, but it's hard. It's been different. Again, it's a lot more projection. Uh, not always right. You know, I think, you know, the, the thing that 
some people think is, oh, you know, a college coach uh, doesn't, you know, nobody's recruiting me hard. They don't want me. Well, you know, we make a lot of mistakes. You know, there's a lot of great players uh, that didn't get offered a scholarship or didn't get offered a spot, you know, then to be a walk-on guys or played at a lower level that became great pros, you know. So we, we're, we're, try, we're doing the best we can, uh, but you're absolutely right. It's a lot harder uh, just, you know, without the in-person element of it. And really, it, it, you know, with our team comes from everywhere. You know, and in our receiver room alone, we have two. We had two guys from Hawaii, we had two guys from Louisiana, Indiana, Chicago, Massachusetts. Um, you know, I'm probably for California, New York. We only had, we're, we're, for instance, in New Jersey, we only had one guy from New Jersey. You know, so the the thing about what we did is camps were important, but we also realized, you know, and, and the NCAA shut them down. But there's no way we could, you know, with everything that's going on and you want to be safe that we could bring everybody in from all over the place. So, you know, we just got to kind of figure it out and, and do our best. And, you know, I think we have a pretty good group lined up uh, for next year in our recruiting class, but you never know, you know, you never know till they get here. Yeah, that's true. I mean, but it does seem like you guys are doing the best you can for with the opportunities and with the technology and stuff that you have. So that, that that's really good. Um, so the next question is, what's your main coaching philosophy when it comes to, I guess, coaching slash, slash um, mentoring your wide receivers? Yeah, I, I think this is this is a great question because it's something that's really changed for me. Um, I played the position sort of like I played tight end, but I was really a receiving tight end. I didn't really block anybody that great. I was skinny. You know, I was kind of more of a tight end. Uh, in terms of how they use them today than how I use them in the old school. And again, I think that's why I was, it was, I really went to a great place because offensively we did some really fun stuff, but I, I don't think you have to have played the position or the sport to be a coach in it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, you know, definitely. Bill, Bill Belichick was a terrible college football player. Terrible. Um, but he's a pretty darn good coach. You know, I, think that, <laughs> I think the coaching things worked out for him. Very so well. That's, <laughs> right, no doubt. I don't think that's important, but I will. I will say this. I think the one advantage I have is having played the position. I understand some of the things that guys can get hung up on, or some of the things that I didn't think work with me. The biggest example for me is dropping the ball. So if you're ever at a practice or a game, a guy drops the ball. It's a mistake that everybody can see. Oh, he dropped the ball. And then immediately when somebody does it, a hundred people yell out, catch the ball, right? Well, when I was a player, like that wasn't, to me, that that's not coaching. That's describing what's happening. Yeah, you know, oh, catch, oh, catch the ball. Oh, catch the ball. Okay, great. Thanks for your help. I would have never thought of that when they threw the ball at me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, to me, it's always correct the mistake and then move on. Correct the mistake in that one. You play receiver, you're not going to get the ball thrown to you every play. Sometimes it's once a game. You can't carry that mistake with you. You got to let it go. Everybody that plays in a game that day is going to make a mistake. Again, you, you have to understand it. Why did it happen? And then go make the next play. You know, so I stole this from Scott Frost, who the head coach of Nebraska. But one of the things we talk about is we're going to play with a desire to excel and no fear of failure. Right. That's kind of like our mantra. Yeah. And we say it over and over and over. And it's I'm not going to be afraid to make the big play. If I miss it, I miss it. But I'm going to I'm going to swing my sword. I'm going to go at it as hard as I possibly can. 
Great example, right? The NBA Finals game five the other night. Everybody's killing Danny Green. Yeah. Oh, he missed the shot. He missed the shot. He missed the shot. Hey, to hell with it. I missed it. You know, if you're going to take big shots, sometimes you're going to miss them. That's part of the deal. Next time I get that ball, I'm shooting it again. Danny Green made 27 threes in one of those NBA finals he was in. You know, he's made, he's won two championships. Part of the deal is you're going to miss those shots sometimes, and there's no shame in that. It's true. That happens, you know, and it's all this negative. Oh, he missed an open shot. That's it, you, you take that risk every time and you, you get on the court or you get on the field. Again, it's I'm gonna, what, what, what's driving me? A desire to excel. I'm not afraid to fail. Throw me that ball, I'm shooting it. Yeah, Same I mean, thing in football. throw me that ball, I'm catching it. So, you know, I think that that's kind of really fueled me. Again, I think that's the one, you know, there's a couple of things that, that, that playing the position I think helps me with. But that's the biggest thing is, you know, you're going to, you're going to fail. You're going to make a mistake. How you respond is the most important part of that. I think that's so true. And I mean, the great Michael Jordan said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And I think that that applies to almost everything. No doubt. I mean, this is like the fourth time we've tried to record and my phone kept missing up. We didn't quit for crying out loud. It's true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um. So the next question is, uh, what does a typical day or week look like for um, your wide receivers in practice slash training? So it's, you know, obviously right now is atypical. Everybody's at home. You know, when we were on campus uh, in the in the fall, during the fall season, what we'll do is, you know, guys will meet in the morning if we can. You know, there's usually a window in there between 8 and probably 8.45. They'll have class off and on between 9 and 3.30. And then we will practice between 4 and 6. So, so you know, we're usually out there for two hours, give or take. Every day of the in week? We go, we will practice. We are off on Monday, we, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, we do a thing called No Sweat Thursday. We run a million plays, but we don't run them full speed. Friday, we'll practice a little more speeded up version of the Thursday practice. Saturday is the game. Sunday is the longest day in football because we come in, we watch the film from the day before. Then we go out on the field and correct the mistakes, uh, team meetings, special teams meeting. You know, Sunday's, Sunday's always better when you win. Uh, you know, when you lose, it's even longer. Uh, and that's usually kind of the flow. Obviously, Saturday we play the game. Sunday we come and review the mistakes, start getting ready for the next opponent. Uh, but it's, you know, it's a, for those guys, especially, again, with the academic demands uh, uh, that Princeton puts on you, you know, it's it's a pretty full schedule. You know, I've been some places where we practiced in the morning, uh, which I like. We practiced from eight to ten in the morning, and then they were done with football for the day. It's a lot harder here because of the the, the academic schedule. There's so many, you know, specified majors, and I listen. I have to take this class every day. That what they did is there's a window every day between four and seven where there's no class. So that window is kind of the athletic window, and that's when our practices usually fall. Um, you know, we don't do a lot of in-season conditioning because we our goal in practice is to go so fast that we're working on our conditioning as we're doing our football stuff. Yeah. You know, we want to kind of – one thing that's changed a lot since I was a player and even since I first started is, you know, we don't want to wear them out during the week. You know, we don't want to play the game on Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, we want to make sure when Saturday rolls around they're feeling their best. So in a lot of places do this. Almost everybody does it now, but – 
everybody wears a little GPS device in their shoulder pads or their shirt, and it tracks how far they travel, how fast they go, uh, how you know how much is called training load, but how many calories they burn and all that. And our head coach monitor it, and guys can only kind of run a certain amount during practice. And if they get over that, then he he's like, hey, so and so's got to come out. Yeah, uh, which is which is again a little bit different than some of the other places I've been, but I think it also helps us prevent injury. And when the game, when it's time to play the game, I think again our guys are feeling their best. So it, that's it. That's really like helpful and stuff. Because I mean, in in us in some sports and stuff, your coach pushes you and pushes you until you get injured, and then those injuries can prevent you from coming back and can possibly ruin your career. So I think that's really smart what you're doing and stuff. No doubt. I, yeah, I think it's been really good for us. Yeah. Um. So the next question is, uh, what kind of things do you do to give your wide receivers the best chance at playing professionally in the NFL one day? Yeah, again, I think that going through the questions, this is another one I thought was great because it's, you know, the wide receiver position is unique in terms of, you know, we can work on our core skill or one of our core skills uh, without a big risk of injury. So if you play defensive line, you can't in your, you know, your backyard have somebody pretend they're an offensive lineman and then have them block you, you know, without without a risk of getting hurt. Or you, if you're a linebacker, you know, it's hard to simulate tackle and a running back over and over and over without risk of injury. Yeah. Uh, the thing about receiver is you can catch a football a huge amount of times Right. And I think it's always going to help you get better. You know, it's hard to reach that point of diminishing returns where, man, I'm working so hard, but I'm risking injury. You really never run into that catching a ball, whether it's a tennis ball, whether it's playing catch in the backyard with your dad, you know, whether it's working with a teammate. You know, there's there's always a chance to get better uh, at something that really is what you're going to be judged by as a player, which how, how consistently you catch the ball. You know, how good are you at it? So it, it's something that you know we are always the first guys on the field you know I, I like to short my meetings up so we can actually go on the field and get on the jugs machine which is a you know basically a machine that shoots footballs really far um you know we start every practice with something called long ball where our my guys stand on the other side of the field they're stationary they're not running because they're not warmed up and we just launch the ball to them and they work on catching deep passes which again is hard to do uh, without risking injury if you're sprinting, you know, or if you don't have a quarterback. So we get out there every day and we do long ball. Uh, I, I think it's something that we're, you know, in the summer, there's a program that we say, hey, listen, you want to catch 100 balls a day, five days a week. Uh, you know, on our Friday workouts, one of the things we talked about doing is, you know, I'll, I'll stand up in the in the bleachers and from the bleachers, I'll throw a, a longer pass all the way down to the field, you know, kind of just working on you know, really to, to us as receivers and as offensive coaches, like the most important play in football to us is the long pass play. Right? Yeah. It changes games. It generates points. So we, I want to make sure one of the things I used to lead the field as a year coach, Chan, is, hey, we didn't drill that enough. You know, we go out there for practice number one and we're dropping all these long passes. Well, I didn't give them enough work at it. So I think that's one thing like I'm always trying to do is extra football work, tracking the deep football. Um, you know, I think in terms of making the NFL – Again, there's a list of guys, and you know, there's probably five or six guys I've had that have, you know, been in NFL camps or made the practice squad or played arena football, uh, and a lot of that is is attributed to them, you know, not just their physical gifts, but how they practiced and 
you know, their approach to the, the non-football things, whether it's the training room or the weight room or, you know, studying film. And, you know, I, I don't think it's when you, when you work with players that you say, hey, I'm going to put you in the league. You know, it's, hey, listen, we're, we're going to maximize your talent. So when you're done playing here, you can say, I did everything in my power, whether it's a practice, whether it's in the training room, getting my body right, whether it's learning the offense, you know, whether it's uh, getting myself in the best possible shape I can, where when my career's over, I can say, I did everything. I, I got as good as I possibly could be. And if that makes you a professional, then so be it. You know, and I think yeah. that, uh, it's, we, uh, we, the, one, the other thing I've stolen, we talk every day about championship level habits. You know, like if you're in week three of a season, and you're talking about we're going to win the national championship. Well, not not in not on October 11th. You're not. You know, <laughs> today's October 11th. You got to play this week for opponent. So between now and whenever that conference championship or national championship or whatever it is is decided, is you, you can't control that today. All you can do today is your habits. How much I sleep. How much I pay attention in a meeting and take notes. You know what kind of teammate am I? Do I treat my injuries? If I don't feel well, do I go to the doctor? You know, if, do I have championship level habits every day? That will allow me, right, then to have a chance to win something. If I'm partying and I don't study the game plan and stuff like that, there's no shot. And all we're saying is if we every day conduct ourselves like a champion, then we'll have a shot, you know, when, when that's going to be determined. But we don't, you know, I don't, I don't ever in my room say, right, hey, we're going to win the league. Like, that's not, I mean, that's not really something within our power on a Tuesday afternoon, you know, it's, okay, yeah. we're going to, we're going to practice today the right way. And it's the same idea with your personal development. I'm going to the NFL. Okay. Did you have a good Tuesday practice? No. Well, those, those two things aren't lined up. You know, if that is your goal, you better be handling your day a lot better. You know, your habits better be a lot better. So again, I think I've been around a lot of good players and I get a lot of guys that, you know, like I said, Tony Romo played in the league for a long time. Brian Westbrook played in the league for a long time. Uh, you know, a lot of guys I didn't coach but was around, you know, as a receiver coach for their quarterback, running back, or whatever. Like the constant is they just they, they didn't waste time. You know, they they took everything in. They got as good as they can, and things worked out for them. Yeah. I mean, you perfectly explained that question. Um so the next question is, um, and you kind of touched on this in the previous one, but I'm gonna go a little more in depth. Um, so what players have you maybe been around or coached that made it to the NFL? And then what correlation do you see them like what's the correlation between all the players that you've been around or coached that make it to the NFL? Is it is it their hard work, their drive, their want? Like what what makes it what makes them so special? Yeah, I think that the, the thing that stands out for me, like there are names when you say that. There's a guy named Brandon Harvey I coached. He was on the practice squad with the Falcons and the Cardinals. Uh, there was a guy named Poppy Livers who came to Villanova as a walk-on, ended up as a captain, uh, you know, on our best, probably our best offense that we ever had. Brandon played on our national championship in 2009. There was a guy named Norman White at uh, Villanova. Uh, who was a four-year starter, two-time captain, went to the playoff all four years. Like, all of those guys uh, were really good practice players. Like, every day to them was the AFC championship. Like, if Brandon Harvey lost a rep and we went one-on-one -on -one against the DBs, 
it was the end of the world to him. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. was going to be a fight, you know, like th th they were just, th they were ultra competitive. And I do think there are guys that are so physically talented uh, that maybe don't have that and still make it, you know, but the ones that jump out to me are guys like those guys that I named. And, and again, our room at Princeton now, you know, has a bunch of guys uh, that are really football guys and practice the right way. And, you know, when I first got there, we lost uh, two guys to the NFL, Jasper Horstead. Uh, Jesper Horstead plays for the Bears now on their practice squad, and Steve Carlson plays for the Cleveland Browns. Those two guys, the year before I got here, you know, caught 70-some balls each, so we lost them. All three of our starting receivers were new last year. Uh, one was second in the league in receptions. Wow. Uh, you know, it's it, 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 all Ivy is a returner. You know, we, we have a group, but they, they all practice the right way. You know, like when we leave the field on a Tuesday or Wednesday, you know, you're like, all right, we're a lot better than we were before we came out here. And I, and I think that's it's it's the competitiveness element of it is, you know, I'm I'm not going to waste a rep. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to be afraid to make a mistake like we talked about earlier. Like I'm going to cut it loose. And if I do make a mistake, I'm going to learn from it. And then I'm going to go like hell the next play. You know, so, yeah, I think that uh, that approach is something when I think about the guys that when they were leaving, I'm like, man, that guy got everything humanly possible, you know, out of himself for his football career. They have that, they have that drive, you know, they, they want to compete, you know, they, they, they use everything that they possibly can, you know, to, to be as good as they can.